Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. back is this the fourth intro attempt that we're doing of course not this is our first we're oh, very oh good. yeah because we hit it we hit the nail on the head every time it's effortless anyway hi i'm april and i'm meredith and this is rattled and shook a podcast where we tell scary stories and discuss our deepest darkest fears but in a fun way are you good you good with that one no um no great <laughs> yeah so this week we are going to read some true scary stories to you and april's got one that she's going to share today that is a little bit more near and dear to her yeah i've got a i've got a story from a friend that was told to me a while ago and uh this is the time (laughs) i think the time is now does your friend know are you still friends kind of we actually haven't spoken in a while (laughs) oh i was kidding it's not like we had a falling out. It's just like COVID and all that stuff happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. She'll be a, I asked her if I could use it a while back, and then it didn't end up happening. And I feel like you put us all in the middle of a feud or something. <laughs> and now we're all feeling really awkward. This has been a point of contention in our friendship for a long time. I hope um, if you sound design it well enough, maybe she'll be friends with you again. Yeah, this is my olive branch. So Tracy, please be friends with me again. <laughs> Here's our first story. Tracy, if you want to catch up over coffee or something, uh, let me know. When I first graduated college, I was taking a lot of babysitting jobs to make ends meet. Not all the families I sat for were winners. There are a lot of spoiled kids in LA who haven't heard the word no enough. But one of my favorites was a young couple with a little boy named Hunter, who, except for the occasional mini tantrum, was a pretty well-behaved little boy funny too. His parents were always incredibly friendly and generous, which, again, was not always the case with families I sat for. Pretty good gig. The only issue was that, every once in a while, Hunter would experience night terrors. He didn't have them very often, but I think he was more anxious when his parents were gone, so he had a few of them while I sat for him. Luckily, I was given the rundown on what to do. His parents had a camera in his room for when they were gone, and if he started to stir or cry, I was supposed to watch the monitor in case he sat up or started thrashing, just to make sure he didn't hurt himself. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, but you're never supposed to shake someone awake or hold them down when they're having a night terror, unless they're about to harm themselves. And normally it would pass. Only once did I have to enter the room to console him, which basically consisted of a shh, it's okay, and gently tucking him back into bed. It did freak me out a little bit. Seeing him so upset was unsettling. But I was prepped for the situation, and he went back to sleep without incident. Then came the night. 
Hunter's parents were off to a birthday party, and they were planning to get home really late, so they set me up in the guest room for an overnight. That way, I wouldn't have to drive home at 2am. And since I was living with four roommates in a two-bedroom apartment at the time, I was really looking forward to it. Once his parents left, Hunter and I watched some TV, ordered pizza, and colored in his Thomas the Tank Engine book, which was not a coloring book, by the way. He was in bed by 8.30, and I had the place all to myself. Just to elaborate on how sweet of a gig this truly was, they gave me full access to everything in their fridge and pantry, and even allowed me to have a beer or a glass of wine once Hunter was asleep. So I put on a movie and did just that. About a couple hours in, I started to hear noises coming from Hunter's monitor. I looked to find him tossing and turning in bed. Nothing to worry about just yet. After 20 seconds or so, he slowed, then stopped. I went back to watching TV, when a few minutes later, I heard him moving around again. I checked his monitor, ready to make my way up the stairs if need be. But again, he eventually calmed down and fell back into a seemingly peaceful sleep. So again, I set down the monitor and reclined back onto the couch, thinking I should probably head off to bed myself. Then it happened. Hunter's scream blasted through the monitor. I grabbed it to find him violently thrashing in his bed. I had never heard him scream like that before. It was so loud that I could hear the screams echoing from his room. I ran up the stairs in a panic. I was so disoriented that by the time I got to Hunter's door, I wasn't even aware of his screaming anymore. Or rather, lack thereof. When I opened the door to his room, his screams had turned into much more subdued whimpers. He was laying in bed, completely still. I hurried over. For some reason, this unsettled me more than the screaming, but within seconds, he settled down and went quiet. So I turned around and made my way to the door as quietly as possible when I hear him begin to whimper again. I turn to face him and find him sitting upright, ramrod straight in his bed. His eyes are wide open, but they don't match the pained noises he's making. In fact, his eyes don't betray any emotion at all. They're just staring blankly ahead. I felt horrible for even thinking it, but I considered turning around and bolting out of that room. Hunter? I whispered. No response. Hunter? I whisper again and take a step toward him. He's there. I freeze. I'm not sure who he is or where there is. But safe to say, that's not something I want to hear in this moment. I consider turning the lights on, but don't want to jar Hunter in case he hasn't fully woken up yet. Instead, I scan the dark room, finding nothing. I go back to consoling. Hunter, it's okay. He's there! He's there! He repeats. I rush over to him. I can't tell if he's still asleep or awake, but at this point, I need it to stop. I sit on his bed, and in a more raised voice, tell him, It's okay. It was just a dream. Everything's alright. No, he's there! He screams again. But this time, he points to a corner of his room. I turn my head. Nothing. No hat man. No shadow person. At least, as far as I can tell in the dark. I reach for his bedside lamp, switch it on, and nothing. After checking under the bed, in the closet, Behind every piece of furniture and in every dresser drawer, Hunter and I 
were finally convinced that there was no man in the room. I tucked him back into bed, turned the lights off, and left his door open at his request. After that, I did a sweep of the house, checking every lock on every window and door, before sitting on the couch, half-watching TV, and half-watching Hunter's monitor. When his parents came home, I told them what happened, and that I'd be driving home that night. They still tried to convince me to take the guest room, and I almost felt bad for not taking them up on it, but I just couldn't stay at that point. I wanted the comfort of my overcrowded little apartment. Just glad my babysitting days are behind me. It's a good one. The he's there line, I, yeah. It's just um, vague enough to be terrifying. Yeah. I think it's a tough situation to be in, and I can definitely see just wanting to get the hell out of there, but I've also been that kid. As a kid, I sleepwalked, and as an adult, I've had night terrors. <laughs> What's the last time you sleepwalked? Um, I don't know. They all probably happened like before the age of 10. There's there's one story where I someone came in to tuck me in, and I think I had already fallen asleep at that point. So they came in, either my mom or dad, and they went to like lean over, kiss me goodnight. And I like popped out of bed and then said, I need to get the champagne <laughs> and ran downstairs. That's hilarious. When you were a kid. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> and then Gabrielle, my older sister, ran down and just found me standing at the bottom of the stairs. I need to get the champagne. <laughs> I would love it, especially if you'd done some other little adult mannerisms like called your parents by their first names or mm -hmm. but yeah knock on wood I haven't had any issues like this and I not to brag but I sleep pretty well yeah but my cousin did when we were younger have sleepwalking issues and one time we were all at like a family beach trip we all went to the beach and stayed in one big house and we were all asleep I think all the kids had gone to sleep and the parents were up you know having wine and chit-chatting and stuff and um this was one of my cousins who was older. And so I don't think they like really were alarmed when he like came down the stairs. So he walked down the stairs and I think he like went to the kitchen. They were all wrapped up in their own thing. And apparently the next thing they knew, he was walking outside towards the ocean. Oh my God. And they were like, what do you think Neil's doing? And then I guess maybe he had yeah. sleepwalked before or something because someone went downstairs and was like, oh, wait, hold on. Oh my God. It can be so dangerous for people. Yeah. Luckily, he wasn't like a young, young, young kid. But yeah. I still don't know what the, like, when would you come to, like, let's say you walk towards the ocean, would you wake up to some really cold water? Yeah. The, you know the you know the thing that freaks me out about that? You already know. It's the potential for sharks. <laughs> it's the potential for sharks. It's true. What if you met up with a shark that was also sleepwalking? Well, I'm just going to have you think about that sentence for a little bit, okay? We'll cut here and you just think about what you said. Just think about what you said. I will. <laughs> yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? 
In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Here's another story. My husband and I had always talked about trading in our cookie-cutter house in the suburbs for a home with more character. After a move to Idaho for a new job, we were drawn to Boise's historic North End. Many of the homes had been built around the turn of the century and were protected by a historic registry. We fell in love with a 120-year-old stone house on a quiet street near a huge park. The house was old and weird and exactly what we were looking for. To our delight, we learned that the house had been built in 1895 by the Warden of Idaho State Penitentiary by prisoners incarcerated there on work duty. Under the Warden's guidance, the prisoners quarried and transported the sandstone for his new house. The enormous wine cellar in the narrow dark basement had originally served as his armory to store the Warden's extensive collection of guns. My husband and I had joked that at more than 100 years old and built on the backs of incarcerated men, the house must have at least a few ghosts wandering around. I didn't really believe in ghosts and neither did he. So when he moved out of the house and our marriage, a few short months later, I did feel a little uneasy about suddenly being alone with my two small children, but not because of anything inside the house. I put a new deadbolt on the original front door, got new blinds for the fishbowl living room that looked over the park, and placed alarms on the windows. We had been meaning to do all of those things, but hadn't gotten around to it. Shortly after my husband moved out, I was sitting in the living room reading and admiring the blinds I had hung myself when I heard the TV click on. I looked down at the cushion I was sitting on. Sure, I had accidentally turned on the remote. It wasn't there. I turned back toward the TV and saw the remote sitting on the coffee table in front of me. And at the same time, I saw the TV. There was no picture on the screen. Just the sound of Fraser coming from the speakers. I slowly picked up the remote and pressed the power button. The screen blinked and the picture came on to accompany the sound. A few nights later, the sound of laughter and footsteps coming from the loft above me at 3 a.m. led me to hurry up the stairs, calling to my two-and-a-half-year-old and, and five-and-a-half-year-old to get back to bed. I wasn't frightened, just annoyed. I had to be awake for work in a couple of hours, and I called out to the kids as I walked up the stairs. You guys, it's not morning yet. Get back in your beds, I hissed in a loud whisper. When I got to the top of the stairs, I saw both boys fast asleep in their beds peacefully tucked under their covers. This happened twice more, 
at the same time of night. And then the man started coming around. Every few nights, about the same time, 3 a.m., I would suddenly awaken to find my solemn, articulate two-and-a-half-year-old at the side of my bed. Mom, there's a man at the window, he would whisper. And when I opened my eyes, he's trying to get in. And so I'd take his hand and in a very calm and grown-up voice tell him that everything was okay. And I would peer out of the huge windows that looked out over the dark backyard. Terrified, I would see someone's face pressed up against the glass. And then I would tell him that nobody was there, tuck him back into bed, and then lay awake for a few hours staring into the dark hallway. The morning after the first time it happened, I asked him about the man, hoping he had been sleepwalking. A shadow crossed his face. He was trying to get in, he said simply. Then he ate his Cheerios. As the weeks went by, the man started showing up in other places. When we drove around the neighborhood looking at Christmas lights one evening, my son suddenly gasped as he stared into what appeared to be a cheerful, glowing Christmas display. He's there, Mom. Keep driving. Hurry. The same thing happened when we went sledding a couple of weeks later, only this time, he was pointing at the thick trees past the shoulder of a snowy, empty highway. Once, he suddenly stopped playing with his toys and stared into the open closet a few feet from where we were both sitting. The man was right there, he said. I opened the closet to show him that nothing was in the house with us. He stared past me into the closet for a few seconds, then told me he was done playing. We always parked our car in the alleyway behind our house, no garage, and we walked through the backyard to enter through the back door. A few times, when I got back home later in the evening, I would be carrying my youngest son through the backyard, when he would suddenly look up and point into the darkness by the side of the house. There he is, Mom. Early that spring, I sold the house and moved into a small, cookie-cutter home with a zero character a few miles away. The TV never turned on of its own volition again. The laughter at the footsteps at 3 a.m. stopped, and my son stopped talking about the man. Once in a while, I drive past that old sandstone house where we used to live and wonder about the people who bought the house and whether they know about the man. I like that this ghost likes Frasier. Yeah. I like that he appreciates a nice sitcom. Yeah. I did not like the stopping playing and looking up into the open closet. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. No. Not right after you told me that that could happen to me with my closet right here. <laughs> like five minutes ago, you told me that. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You sound pretty sorry. <laughs> um, this is wild, the parallels it has between the story and your friend's story. Yeah. I mean, the man thing. This one, though, the idea of the man stalking them around everywhere, that's that's really scary. Oh, yeah. I think that's something the horror genre move toward where it's not just the house that's haunted. Like once you step inside the house, now you're haunted. It's you attached know. to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot clearer metaphor for, you know, anxiety and trauma and PTSD too. Yeah. For it to linger no mm-hmm. matter where you go, you can't escape. And it's way scarier. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as someone who wants a house with um, character, <laughs> the story does not bode well for that desire. Yeah. I think there's there's a line you have to walk between character and haunted that's it's so funny um 
I've never, I don't think I've told you about this before, but you know, my grandparents lived in the house that my grandma grew up in actually. Oh, cool. Grew up in Massachusetts. It's not like a big house or anything. It's like mm-hmm. a small, very English cottage style, mm-hmm. low ceilings, dark wood, built in 1940, creaky floors. Like if someone wakes up in the middle of the night, you can hear it everywhere. And the basement was so scary. Mm. It like just got really dark down there. And then, it, you know, when it's just like lit by one exposed bulb yes, on a string. That's conjuring style, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like cement blocks along the wall. Uh-huh. And then the rest of it is like a crawl space. But it goes the entire house. Yeah. So when you're down there, if you had a flashlight, you can like shine a light and see this long like crawl space. Oh, no. That's just no lights anywhere. And, and then just something crawling towards you. No, thank you. <laughs> Why would you say that again? <laughs> Stop saying things like that. I will have to take you there sometime. Yeah. Do you, you sh- are there any stories of that place? Like my friends and I actually shot a horror movie there one time. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see this movie. I will show it to you. I think it's funny that you don't watch horror movies, but you make horror movies. Yeah, I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like um, an author who doesn't read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because my my head will do it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I'll think of one. Mm-hmm. I can create the narrative. I just don't. I just don't need extra. Yeah. Interesting. So you told me you had a story about a particular time you had a night terror, right? I do. On the uh, hallucination end. Let's hear about that. So we were all back on the East Coast, back home. Christmas 2020. COVID didn't do me any favors with sleep and being, you know, settled. Mm, (laughs) Things mm. like that at night. And we all kind of have to, like, figure out the best jigsaw puzzle for sleeping arrangements because no one sleeps well. So I was sharing with my mom. And my mom snores. So she had a particularly loud snore. It kind of jolted me awake. So I woke up. I opened my eyes. And I swear I see someone standing next to the bed. And I look at them, and it looks like a girl. And she had shorter hair, and she was wearing, like, (laughs) it looked like a prairie dress or something, you know? I knew you were going to say prairie dress. And she just kind of looked like she was busying herself doing something. And I was looking at her, and I was like, hello? And I was speaking out loud. And she was just, like, doing her thing. Don't know what she was doing. And then I say, hello, again. And then she stops and looks at me and then just stares at me. And I stare back. I don't know if I blinked this whole time, but I'm looking at her and she's looking at me. Her stare gets very intense. And I don't know how to describe this. She kind of, like leans forward very quickly jerks her head forward pass yeah and and is still looking at me i'm seeing this girl on my side of the bed like right next to you yeah and i <laughs> leap off of that bed land on the far <laughs> side of the bed run to the light switch which is next to the door flip it on turn around she's not there And I am, like, gasping. My mom wakes up and is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I saw something. Someone was there. I'm looking under the bed. 
I look in the closet. I look everywhere. There's no one there. And my mom was like, okay, it was a nightmare. It's a very vivid feeling nightmare. And I'm like, I was awake. I was like, what just happened? Do you live on an <laughs> on an old prairie? <laughs> Those Long Island prairies? Uh, no, not as far as I know. Jeez. That's almost, I think that's scarier than your friend's story, honestly. To see something that vividly that you can describe two years later that felt that real. I was so sleep deprived. I was so sleep deprived. You and sleep, you don't, you got some sleep issues. Yep. I've had everything, man. I feel like you should be the one that's more afraid of horror stuff. Yeah. And here's another ad. And now time to inch ever closer to that singularity. It's ChatGPT Adventures. Okay, I'm back on our favorite beta stage future overlord, ChatGPT. We're going to have it write us another interactive story. So let's feed the beast. Make a choose your own adventure. The hero is <laughs> Bill Pullman. The leading man that never was. Yeah. Or almost was. Yeah, we're big fans of Bill Pullman in this house. Wait, can Topher Grace be in this as well? Yeah, the, the hero is Bill Pullman and the villain is Topher Grace. Oh, last time Topher Grace played a villain, it did not go well. So let's see if he can redeem himself. Yeah, I think this will do it for him. Cool. The setting is... Late 19th century Chicago. <laughs> well, can they encounter H.H. Um, Holmes? <laughs> oh, I see where you're going with this. The setting is the World's Fair. Welcome to the World's Fair Nightmare. Choose your own adventure Ooh. story. You play as Bill Pullman, a tourist who has been attending the World's Fair with his family. <laughs> as you wander through the fairgrounds, you suddenly find yourself separated from your loved ones and trapped in a terrifying game of cat and mouse with the villainous Topher Grace. <laughs> <laughs> your choices will determine your fate. Will you survive? Chapter one, separated from your family. Ooh, chapters, yes. You decide to wander around the fairgrounds in search of your family. You walk for what seems like hours until you stumble upon a dark and eerie alleyway. Do you, one, turn back and continue searching for your family. Two, investigate the alleyway. We investigate the alleyway. As you investigate the alleyway, you hear a noise coming from a nearby dumpster. Do you, one, investigate the noise. Two, ignore it and keep walking. Mm, let's walk away. Let's walk away. You ignore the noise and keep walking, but Topher Grace appears out of nowhere and begins to chase you. Wow. Topher Grace appears out of nowhere and begins to chase you? My dream. Yes. I got way too excited about that. Do you, one, run? Two, fight back? Where's option three? Succumb. <laughs>
I guess I would opt for fight back. I think that's Let's interesting. Let's say fight back in quotes. Yeah. You we're know. going to fight back. <laughs> you fight back and manage to defeat Topher Grace. Okay. All right. That was Quick. easy. Uh, do you, one, call the police, two, try and find your family? <laughs> <laughs> I guess try and find the family, right? Yeah, all right. Try and find her family. I Maybe if I don't call the police, we'll have another like little face-off. <laughs> This is hilarious. You try to find your family, but they are nowhere to be found. Do you, one, call the police, two, keep searching? <laughs> they really want us to call the police. Uh, uh, should we call the police? Okay, let's call the police. You call the police, and they arrive just in time to arrest Topher Grace. Do you, one, reunite with your family, two, stay at the fairgrounds? <laughs> um, wait, but we couldn't could find that the be family. Both? Let's stay at the fairgrounds. Yeah, I want to. It's the world's fair, damn it. You stay at the fairgrounds, but the memories of your terrifying ordeal haunt you for the rest of your life. (laughs) I think that's it. (laughs) Congratulations. You've reached the end of the world's fair nightmare. Choose your own adventure story. Whether you've survived or met your untimely demise, one thing is for certain. You'll never forget the horrors you experienced at the world's fair. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I'm going to forget about this by tomorrow. I It seems pretty uneventful, to be honest. Wow. Maybe the horror is the misconnection with Topher Grace. The fact that we couldn't work it out. <laughs> yeah. The missed opportunity for a life of love and happiness. Yeah. Not enough Bill Pullman. Yes. Time for something short and not so sweet. For the past two days, my three-and-a-half-year-old has been talking to someone. He gives them pretend tea and or coffee from his teapot. I asked who he was talking to, and he said what sounded like Mr. Overshoe. He's still learning how to pronounce. I said, I don't see him, buddy. He then pointed to the other side of the room and said, Right there, by the pull-up box. I'll never tell my child I don't believe him, so I told him, okay, honey, you can give him tea. I know any and all TV he watches, and none of the characters have Mr. in them. I haven't discussed Mr. or Mrs. with him yet. He's homeschooled, so he hasn't heard it at school. Maybe it's just an imaginary friend? This isn't the first experience. A couple months back, he didn't like being in his room because he was scared of something. I recently told my best friend that my home feels cold and unwelcome lately. I told my friend I don't think the home is necessarily haunted, but it doesn't have great energy. I do thrift shop a lot. I wonder if I've brought something into our home. Okay, so we're back on to Irrational Fears. Um, We asked for Irrational Fears like the first week of our show, and then we've been continuing to ask, and they've really been coming in strong. So keep them coming. We got a really good one recently that I wanted to share with you. April. Mm -hmm. April. April. (laughs) That I wanted to share with you. Appy. That's a new one. (laughs) With a P. My little apricot. 
<laughs> apes. Apes. Oh, apes is cute. Yeah. Apes. Anyway, so we got a really good one that I wanted to share with you. And it's from Evan Smith. And Evan Smith wrote in, thought I would tell you guys my irrational fear, which is discovering that one of my close friends or friend's family is some sort of serial killer and no one will believe me. Okay, so firstly, love this and have thoughts about it. Um, secondly, interesting that you wouldn't consider that would be in your family. Because I feel like that also reaches into my fears. Like finding out that someone you know is a serial killer, that would be mostly so tragic. It would be unbelievably like tragic. It's scary, but yeah, the gaslighting effect, the kind of like, was my experience even real, would be so traumatic. Whew. Yeah. I mean, it's like thinking about, you know, like the wife of like the BTK killer or any of yeah. these people who end up being married to someone who ends up being a serial killer. That's the terrifying thing is that there are so many people in and out of these people's lives who did not see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to anyone listening. Don't do anything weird, April. <laughs> Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.